Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. has a bright light inside of them that deserves to be seen by the world. That's why it's time to shine the light on the extraordinary who are accomplishing phenomenal things. This is the Shine Out Loud show with Lillian Ogbogo. Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of the Shine Out Loud show with me Lillian Ogbogo and I am so excited we're having all sorts of magic here this evening. If you don't believe in magic, you need to sit in the corner because I have a three-time up-close magician here, three-time winner of the up-close magician title of the Magic Circle. I have the fantastic, incredibly gifted Michael Vincent with me. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm great, Lily. It's so lovely to see you again. It's been such a long time. I know. It's been forever. We met, oh my God, many moons ago now. When we met, I think it was through a networking event, uh, at least maybe six, seven years ago. Yeah. I think it was networking or was it personal development? I think it was courtesy Des O'Connor. Oh, yes. You were one of the guest speakers at the event. Oh, yeah, that's a very long time ago. Yes, around 2009, 2010. I remember that. Oh, it is so much fun having you here. So we're going to start. You have been interested in magic since the age of six. At six, I'm I'm not looking for magic. I'm looking for stories. How did you start with magic at six? Well... As I look back on my life, I can remember 1970 like it was yesterday. I remember Brazil winning the World Cup. I remember seeing Muhammad Ali on television. And I remember seeing a British magician by the name of David Nixon. Okay. With Basil Brush and Ali Bongo, famous British magicians. I'm six years old. So that was my first exposure to magic on television. Wow. And I hadn't seen any magicians live. So as a young boy, I was captivated by what I saw. And I saw other magicians on television. Uh, One magician in particular was a gentleman named Doug Henning, who was an American magician. Every Christmas, they would have the the Doug Henning magic show. And you would always find me in front of the television watching the magicians. So that was the spark of interest as a young boy. Okay, so you started really early and you, you know, and then you got into the magic circle. For those of us that don't know, what is the magic circle? Okay, the magic circle is the oldest magical society in the UK. It was opened in 1905. We celebrated 100 years in 2005. And it was just a group of magicians who wanted a meeting place where they could talk magic. So you think back in the day, 1905, I think it was David Devent and a few of the famous magicians at that time. And those gentlemen getting together would fill what we now know as the magic circle. Okay? It sounds like a rather exclusive club and to some degree it is. However, as a society, its chief goals now is to raise the awareness of magic as a legitimate performance art and to encourage and foster goodwill amongst its members and also to create an environment that's workable for young people coming into magic today to take up the craft, to learn it, practice it, and become great performers themselves. Okay. Yeah. Now, I will say... With magic and magic circle, why does this conjure up images of Harry Potter for me? Magic 
and the magic circle, it conjures up this idea of Harry Potter and waving of wands around. Well, you could consider it a modern day Hogsworth if you want to. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Before I was even aware of magic or magic circles, I had no access to learning secrets. Do you realize there was a time where the only way you could actually get secrets is if you had something valuable to trade with another magician? Okay. So it was a very closed shop. Today, you want to work out how magic is done? Go online. Okay. But you've got to go back nearly 60, 70 years before you see any kind of secrets really being so freely available. Right. Even the publishing of a good magic book was a big deal because back then magicians were up in arms about secrets being given away. I'm grateful to those books simply because when I went to my library, wow, magic books. Nobody told me I couldn't be a magician. No one. I decided I want to learn this. So I did the most obvious thing. I'm a reader, a voracious reader. I went to the library. I said, have you got any books on magic? Yes, young man, come with me. The library shows me a whole section of magic books. And I found them, and I studied every single word on my own. Wow. Yes, I taught myself magic. So, wait, you're a self-taught magician. Was I? You're a self-taught magician. Mm -hmm. Wow. Self-taught entirely. Oh, wow. I had good teachers along the way. That's incredible. Now, you know, we're talking about the magic circle, and as a member of the magic circle, do you believe there's a need to increase diversity in that circle? This is three. Actually, no, I don't. I'll tell you why. Just consider this. 1980, my mentor was a white Jewish man. He owned a magic shop in London. I used to go to his shop every day after school, every Saturday without fail. Not once did he treat me anything less than a passionate magician. And he was very impressed with me. You want to know why, don't you? Why? Because I was very good. Okay. And I'm not saying this with any ego. By the time I was 14, I could do some tricks really, really well. He said, where did you learn that? I said, I read The Magic Book by Harry Lorraine. He said, oh, that's a good book. I said, I know. I've read it. He said, well, look. Keep coming back, keep showing me some more tricks that you've learned. And then one day he says, I'd like to take you to the magic circle, by which time I was about 17. He took me to the magic circle. I was the only black face in the magic circle. So you can imagine what novelty I was. Yes. Not only that, I was a very good novelty at the subject. I had no qualm speaking the truth here. So when Alan introduced me to the various members, they were blown away by the obvious, a young black boy who's good at handling cards, doing really cool coin tricks. And then a gentleman named David Berkler said, Michael, you're very good, but you have to be 18 before you join. I look forward to seeing you become a member. The following year, I joined the Magic Circle, 18 years old, and I won my first Magician of the Year award at that time. Okay, so I was highly visible, and from that, from that entry, I was always known as someone who was highly technical and skilled within sleight of hand. My performing skills would come much later, but at least I could do the work and do it well. Right. Okay. okay. I understand that. And when you, when you talk about, you list a few great magicians who inspired you in the past. What about the late, great Bunny Neal, who was the first African Caribbean performer in the UK to receive membership to the Inner Magic Circle Gold Star? Well, I can just tell from the nature of your question, you've done some research into the black magicians before Michael Vincent. Yes. Right. Well, I'm glad you brought up Bunny Neal because I didn't have the pleasure of meeting him. But I can tell you an interesting story. I discovered a magic shop in Wardour Street when I was about 14. Right. It was called Ken Brooks Magic Place. I go inside. It was like Aladdin's cave. Pictures of all the great magicians on the wall. And I saw a black man on the wall, beautifully attired, top hat, tails. He looked like Pele, a very youthful Pele. Right. I thought, wow, a black magician. He was the first black magician I saw 
And I said to Kendrick, who's that? I said, oh, that's Bunny Neal. And then I asked Alan, who's Bunny Neal? I said, oh, you would have loved him. He was very classy, spoke very well, very posh voice, good diction, and he did beautiful magic. He used to swallow razor blades and thread, and then he'd pull the thread out of his mouth, and the razor blades would be all threaded on the thread, but very classy. So, when you speak of Bunny Neal, I want to acknowledge him because at least it makes me realize I wasn't the first black man to walk through the doors of the Magic Circle yeah. or Asian. So, when you talk about my inspirations from my generation, 1970 up to 1980, Doug Henning, Rishi Fred Capps, Ricky Jay, I saw the great slide meaning on television when I was 14. Would you believe, Lillian, that God's conspired for me to be in Slidini's living room receiving tuition from the greatest magician I ever saw? Oh, wow. I was 18. I made my first trip to New York with Alan. Alan and Slidini were great friends, and Alan wanted me to meet Slidini. I've got to share this story because how it came about is quite interesting. I, I told my mother that Alan wants me to go to New York with him. She says, you're not traveling the other side of the world with someone I don't know. She says, well, he wants to meet you. So my mother came to the magic shop and she looks Alan straight in the eyes. If my son tells me you want to take him to New York, what's this all about? She says, well, Mary, I believe Michael will become one of the great magicians of all time. She said, really? He said, yes. Why? Because he's diligent, he practices, and he loves the subject. Not only that, he listens. But I want him to meet Slidini for a very special reason. Slidini will give him something that I can't. Wow. So my mother looks at me and she says, you can go. And she said the magic words, enjoy your life and make it count. I'm an only child. That single act of generosity, William, my mother gave me the confidence to travel the world on my own with nothing more than a deck of cards and a tuxedo. And act like James Bond. Let me tell you, that's my lifestyle. I'm serious. You have a laugh. I'll always be grateful for that. But that's my lifestyle. I've just come back from the US and I always give thanks to my mother. Right? Because she planted that seed all those years ago. She never constrained me and my rather odd choice of career. I mean, it is a very odd choice, especially for those of us in our community. When we think about magic, we don't necessarily think black people doing magic. It's kind of almost faced with a little bit of, that's not for us, that's for somebody else. So how did you get over that? How did I get over it? Yes. Just consider, for me, there was nothing to get over. I'm a young boy. I'm youthful, I'm innocent, and I'm quite gregarious. And I was asking questions. Can you imagine me as a 13-year-old going to the library and saying, have you got any books on how to cheat at cards? Any books on magic? And the librarian, she didn't throw me out. She knew I was serious. And she showed me the books. Let's deal with the obvious thing. When I step out in front of an audience, the first thing they have to deal with is me being a black man. The next thing they have to deal with is the fact that I'm well-dressed. I speak well and I can handle myself. They also then have to deal with the fact, oh, this is interesting. Wow, that was a good trick, how'd he do that? They then got to deal with that. So me having to overcome being a magician in a career that's normally associated with black people, it was, it was a non-issue for me because nobody ever said to me, oh, you can't do that. And guess what, if they did, you know what would happen next, don't you? You'd have done it all the same. It just, it just wouldn't happen. I would have still continued. Of course. And because this is my passion. And I love the subject. And I never once entertained before, oh, I can't do this just because my face doesn't fit. That's nonsense. Nonsense. And for me, I had this same conversation with some of my students. Most of my good students aren't British. They're European. South Korea, some of them are black, and we have the same conversation you and I are having right now. My mentor, Alan, said to me, Michael, 
you are so good at magic, you are going to render people colorblind, if only for a few minutes. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, look at Michael Jackson. Look at the Nicholas Brothers. Look at Nat King Cole. He was of that generation. He would show me videos of Louis Armstrong, great black performers, not magicians. He said, they did it. I said, yeah, but look at what it cost them. They really suffered so that someone like me could stand up and not have to go through that hardship of what it means to be black in show business. Let me tell you, I've done my history and I know my subject. My heroes were the Nicholas Brothers. They were so good, they had to leave America just so that they could work in France where they would be accepted like royalty. Okay? What about that famous singer? He used to sing with Cole Porter. His name's Leslie. He was a mixed-race gentleman. His name will come to me, but he sang all the Cole Porter songs. He played the piano during the 1920s and 30s. I'm not sure I know who The name will come to me. He was another example of a black man, Josephine Baker, these black performers that couldn't work in America. Why? Because their face didn't fit. Do you know what? The 70s and 80s is my generation. That's when I started to become aware. You know, I'm a black man in a rather unusual choice of career. To hell with it. I'm just going to be good at it. I had no choice. Fortunately, I love the subject. So for me, I wasn't driven by the thought, oh, I must be good at it. No. I was driven by the fact that my mentors were people whose books I read and they were alive and they accepted me. It was a beautiful thing. Do you ever see the film Zulu? Uh, yes, when I was a lot younger. With Michael Caine? Yes. The director of that film was my first mentor in card magic. His name was Sonny Field. Yeah, I read that in your profile. He was a wonderful gentleman. I would see him every Saturday without and we would talk magic. And he treated me like he treated his actors. He shared things with me that most magicians will never ever hear. Why? Because he was a director of people for films. And he would guide me, say, Mike, you're not being totally real here, what's going on? You need to be more authentic. What's the story? What's the plot? What character are you portraying? I'm 13, 14 years old having this level of conversation with people. Really deep. But my brain was wired for it. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm actually blown away, actually really blown away. So when, when you think of a career in magic, can someone have a career in magic without being a performer, without the performance side? So, five career in magic without being performance related? Yes. That's an interesting question. Let's look at it carefully. You've got magicians who are performers and very good performers. You've got people interested in magic who only write books and create tricks for performers. Right. But they don't step out in front of an audience. Their real gift is creating tricks. You have magicians who are historians and somehow they can make a career out of that. So to answer your question, yes. You don't have to be a performer to have a career in magic. Some magicians act as consultants, but they never step out on stage. Why? Because it terrifies them. Yeah, there are some people that that would terrify. Yeah. So you actually say that there are actually some magicians who actually create other magic, other magic tricks for other magicians. Exactly. So essentially like writers for um, actors. Yeah. Some of the tricks in my show in fact, all of it is my interpretation of things I read that someone else created. But I've got a funny way of looking at things. I'm always asking, well, that's a good trick. What can I say with that? What's the message in this particular piece? Why would my audience care about this? How can I affect people with this particular piece? So I'm a storyteller. I'm a raconteur. Um, not only that, I'm a psychologist. I understand what people need. What do people need? They need to feel good about themselves. Right. That's it. In a nutshell, people need to change the way they feel. Why? Because you just need to look at the world and you can see people have become resigned and cynical about life. So who am I? I'm someone that could alter their point of view of reality, if only for a brief moment, and make them realize, well, oh, there's another way of looking at this. Do you get that? 
Yeah, awesome. I like that. Yeah. So, uh, so looking at your magic, what's looking over your magic, over everything you've done. One of the things that you say is your goal is to leave the craft of magic better than you found it. Are you on your way to achieving this legacy? I love that question. And I can sit here and honestly say, if I gave up magic after this conversation, I would be complete with everything that I have done in magic. I've achieved all of my goals for myself. One of the goals was I wanted to be able to teach magic in an accessible language to passionate students so that they could at least experience what it feels like to be honest and authentic in front of an audience. I still want to continue doing that because my legacy will not be in my performance. My legacy will be in the great students that I leave behind. Why do I say that? Because I am a first-generation student of Slidingi. He didn't live long enough to see the magician I have now become. But every time I step out in front of an audience, Slidini is watching, Fred Caps is watching, Sienfield, Alan, all my heroes. In my imagination, they're in the front row watching me. And my first job is to put a smile on their face. This is my psychological exercise. And if I do that, the audience will give me the standing ovation. Wow. That's how I anchor my brain. All right. So that's how basically you honor your mentors and you create this incredible work that you do. Mm. And for people that have never seen you perform, they they may have actually seen you on Jonathan Ross's Penn and Teller Correct. for me. Yeah. And you perform some incredible magic there. So I'm thinking, yeah, you should perform some magic for us tonight. Is there a camera watching us? Well, there is a camera. I'm back. Let's just set this up properly. Let's pause this for a I could definitely do something for you right now, Lillian. Oh, I'm going to capture this on film, and the video goes live. People can see exactly what we've been doing, all right? Absolutely. So, we get to I've never seen you this excited before. <laughs> I was watching you, and I was watching you this afternoon on video, and I'm like, first of all, your magic is incredible. Yeah. Okay, let's try a little something, shall we? Okay. You know, it amazes me, 5,000 years of magic and card tricks, and you'll notice magician's pattern hasn't changed. Pick a card, any card. Works every time. Look at this. Okay, look at it and remember it. Don't forget it. All right, pop it back in. You still remember the card? Yes, I do. So look, I won't shuffle them. I'm going to leave your card exactly in the middle, wherever it is, okay? Now, since I'm holding the card, you could accuse me of cheating. Of course, yes. Well, I will, but hopefully you won't notice. <laughs> so I put your hand out for me. That's perfect. Now watch very closely. I just want to use a little bit of your energy here. That's it, nice and steady. Are you ready? I'm going to create a field of energy around your hand right now. You may experience this as a warm sensation. Can you feel that? Yeah. Because that's our energy fusing together. And that energy can influence matter. What was the name of your card? It was a five of spades. The five of spades? Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who, if you guys, I'm sorry, all those who are listening live, this is really amazing. This man has just pulled out some magic trick. I bet you're not allowed in any casinos. You are not allowed in any casinos. No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure I hear you properly here. Let me just switch this on again. All right, there you go. Yes, I said you are not allowed in any casinos, I bet. I wouldn't. You're not allowed in any casinos. Well, I can go into a casino, but if they suspect me of cheating, then I'd be probably on their facial recognition software, and that'd be posted on casino websites around the world. I don't gamble anyway, so that's not for me. Oh, wow. So this is really amazing. Um, when you when you think of all the magic that you've ever created, what's your personal favorite trick to perform? My favorite trick. Wow, I have so many. 
but the performance that gave me the greatest pride was the performance I did with Penn and Teller and Jonathan Ross. That was an incredible one, because you used your finger to change the cards. Exactly. How did you do that? Very well, actually. <laughs> I'll tell you why. That performance, that routine, in that situation, I exercised a lot of demons in my psychology. It's a live performance in front of the cameras, Rowan. I'm doing it in front of two of the world's greatest magicians. And I got their endorsement and approval. I may not have fooled them. My mother, she anchored me. She said, Mark, you might not get what you want, but you'll definitely get what you need. And she was right. I didn't fool them. But live on television, I got a gasp of astonishment from the public. You watch the video on YouTube, you can hear it. Not only that, I got the endorsement from Penn and Teller. Not only that, I humbled Jonathan Ross with my performance. And uh, as a result, that video has received millions of hits on YouTube. And it was the start of my academy. Because when magicians saw it, I kept getting emails. And they were all asking me the same question. I suffer with a lack of confidence. How can you go on television and perform so calmly? And I saw a need, and I'm attempting to fulfill that need right now by coaching and mentoring students. Yeah, I noticed you you not only do you're not only a performance magician, you also coach, you mentor up and coming magicians. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay. So basically you're Dumbledore. You are Dumbledore right now. I. You are Dumbledore from um, Hogwarts. I adopt. You are Dumbledore, as in the headmaster from Hogwarts in Harry Potter. Ah! <laughs> Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, my beard's going wrong now, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I, do you know what it is, Lillian? I'm only doing what was done for me when I was a young boy. And the great masters accepted me. So when I see someone that's got the talent, I encourage them. I can teach someone magic who has had no knowledge or participation in magic. But I also like working with students who are struggling. Let me tell you something. Do you want to know what I'm really doing? Tell me. I'm using magic as a vehicle to support my students actualize their own self-expression in the world. Right. Authentic self-expression. What am I talking about? I was very shy as a young boy. I was getting into a lot of fights at school. I was being bullied. And my school teacher, Mr. Hamilton, he encouraged me to do the school assembly. So I'm in front of the whole school, 13 years old. I did two magic tricks. I got a standing ovation from my fellow students. Even the bullies that used to attack me every day, they were humble. Wow. Now, what's this got to do with anything? In that moment, I was no longer a bully, victim. I became a mini celebrity. And I saw magic as a way of surviving the horrors of going to school every day. Billy Connolly, the comedian, he had his issues, he found comedy to support him through his challenges. Look at Robin Williams, all these people that are funny, they all had a psychological challenge. Yeah. I had a psychological challenge. I had this feeling that I was somebody else's emotional punch bag. Even now, people still try to bully me, but they don't get very far. You wanna know what? Because I recognize it. I also recognize the feelings within me that get triggered when I'm in the presence of someone who's trying to subjugate me. So what do I do? I support my students. I try to recognize what's going on with this young man. He's got the ability, but the confidence is slightly off, off base. So I'm like Dr. Hannibal Lecter. I get inside their heads. And I want to understand what's causing them trepidation. And I try to help them heal it. And once they taste it, there's no going back. They're free. Right. To me, that's the most beautiful thing, to see a human being free from their internal fear. And magic is the most incredible process of self-development I know of. Because not only have you got to master the trick, you've got to master the conversation, the psychology. You then have to step out in front of people and right. do it and make them enjoy it. Do you get that? Exactly, because there's, there's so much going on 
not just the magic. There's the magic, there's the conversation, there's the ability to enthrall the audience as well. Yeah, it's a multi-layered process. Some magicians don't get past second base. They just learn the trick and that's it, which is fine. But if you want to go all the way, you've got to master other, there's other skill sets that come along for the ride if you want to be a performer. If you don't, it's okay. I mean, I want to go all the way with it. Well, because I've tasted it and it's delicious. It really is. <laughs> it's my journey. Wow. Okay, so let's, let's look at this. As a magician, sleight of hand magic or full-on theatrics? Which impresses you more? Oh, that's a very good question. Slight hand or full theatric? Well, you're talking to someone who prides themselves on being a highly skilled technician, okay? Doing really cool, invisible things that you can't see with my hand. But it's empty and meaningless, if that's all it is. My next job is to make the audience enjoy it. And I'm always asking, why should they care? It's this question that got me interested in the psychology of what it means to entertain people. So the theatre of magic is very important to me. Right. Why? Because I'm an, I am a natural performer. Put me on the stage, I'm home. Now, when an audience sees my show, would you believe I have to put my ego in my back pocket? Okay, explain. Because I have to keep my technique hidden do you realize that magic and sleight of hand is the only craft that I can't share with people? I cannot share you what my, what my fingers do with the cards. Look, I can wave my hand over this card and make it, and make it change. Jesus Christ! How did you do that? Exactly. I was watching people listen. This, exactly. This is why Jonathan Ross wanted to burn me at a stake. This is why Jonathan Ross threatened to burn as a snake. Burning up a snake. ridiculous. Please do that again. Let me tell you, the technicalities are just as interesting as the theatrics. Okay, I'm I'm with Jonathan Ross here. Really, I'm I'm I'm. Jonathan Ross might have been onto something. Seriously, people, that was just freaky. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what you just saw me do with my hands, I can't show you that. I can only show you the effect, not the piece that's under the water, like an iceberg. Right. I've got to create the experience of magic for you and get the reaction that you just gave me. So the theater of magic is very, very important to me. Oh, my God, this is incredible. But Does that answer your question? Yes. Oh, it's so good because this is just... Unbelievable. <laughs> Do that again, please. One more time. One more time. One more time. One more time. You can you can see my hands are empty. Yes. You can check my fingers, look up my sleeves. I'm almost tempted to let me examine you now. Look, I can show you my hands empty right up to the last second. And with one finger. You can see that card change right before your very eyes. Is it possible? It doesn't make sense. Look, I can hold the cards right at my fingertips. Oh my God. Man, you are incredible. Thank you. I think, you know what, we deserve a serious round of applause here right from our system. This is just absolutely incredible. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much. You're very kind. I've never seen you box back before. <laughs> I pride myself. One of the things is my observation. I pride myself on having great observation. I am sitting right here next to you, and I'm watching you closely, and you're managing to do this incredible feat. And I don't know how you're doing it. Well, I've got to tell you, I've got to invite you to the Magic Circle. Come and see the show. I will have to be there. What are you doing on the 15th? I think the 15th may be sold out. I'll tell you what, next time I'm there, maybe in the new year, I will put you on my guest list, okay? And you'll come and see an evening of magic and you'll get to see about 25 minutes of my one hour show, okay? Yes, please. You done with that? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was incredible. I was. Oh, 
people, okay, now you know I'm not usually lost for words. This is me. I don't usually do lost for words, but this man has me totally speechless. We're down at Casa Casa in Brixton Hill and watching this man create some incredible magic. We're recording it and listen, I would want to share this with you. I would want to share this man's work that he, if you get an opportunity, go see him. I'm sorry, I'm just totally now in fangirl mode because I'm just watching magic happen here on my show. And so, totally fangirl mode. A little scared, but fangirl nonetheless. Wow. So how does one break into magic? Or is it a case that you have to have a touch of Harry Potter about you? So let's have a look. What question are we looking at? Well, you know what? In today's world, it's a lot easier than it was for me. Right. But I did have one thing at my disposal, and that was television. And this was before I even knew magic existed. I saw a magic show. Today, kids can go online. And see magic, so there's really no barrier at all. We now have television for the 21st century, YouTube. Yes. You can type in a keyword, and if you're lucky, you might come up and see one of my videos. I recently posted a video of me performing on television when I was in my early 30s. You'll see it. I'm performing coin match. It's the most recent video, and it's generating a lot of traffic right now. Why? Because I was very young. I didn't really have my performing skills as sharp as I do now, but my technical skill was right there. So you can see that video. So the magic circle, you could call it a modern day Hogwarts if you want to, but I would say the internet has become the training ground for new magicians. Why? Because there's a lot of magicians doing online courses online. That's what I do. But the difference is I coach my students real time. Right. Okay. They get my personal attention, either online, through my workshops, my seminars, my lectures. Okay. So, um, for me, that's how it works. Awesome. Now, we're just coming up to... I'm sorry. Listen, people, I'm, I'm actually still very speechless. I'm just really in awe of this man. You do some incredible magic. And you have been doing this for the last 40 years and yes. been in this industry because it is an industry. Yes. And what one of the things that people don't know about you, what most people don't know about you, is that you lost your hearing a few years ago. That's correct. So you're actually deaf. And has this hin- this lack of hearing hindered or helped you your magic? I'm just going through, yeah, so when I lost my hearing, I'll never forget that Friday morning because I thought I heard my phone ring and I struggled to hear my client who was on the phone. That's when I knew I had a problem. I then spent the Christmas of 2013 in hospital getting injections in my ear, steroid injections. And then throughout 2014, I had to make some serious adjustments to how I function in a world with no sound. It was hugely challenging. And uh, my biggest fear was how do I function as a magician? I got that question answered almost immediately. I had to go out and do a show. And I realized, well, my hands still work. My mind is still sharp. The only difference is I can't hear the applause. I could see people smiling. I struggled, but I made it through the performance. All right, so what did I do? I taught myself lip reading. I learned how to lip read playing cards. I stood in front of a mirror and I just called off the cards one by one. King of spades. I wanted to see the shape of my words so that when I asked someone to name a card, I could see what they're telling me. And then I taught myself how to lip read each person I engage with. I'm still learning that, but I'm better than I was. Um, I had to redesign my show because my whole style was conversational. Now I cannot engage in too much conversation because my lip reading is not 100%. 
and my style being conversational, people are going to say things to me that are not scripted. So I've got to be ready so that if I ask a question, I know what the likely responses are going to be. And I can read there to create a fluid, seamless conversation. Um, adjusting to performing. People have said my performances are much better now than they ever were. And I put it down to one thing. I'm saying less and achieving more. So I'm not waffling. I'm saying only what needs to be said. So you could say there are more silences and pauses in my delivery. And this reminds me of my mental health. You always used to say, Michael, you're rushing. Slow down. Pause. Put the beats in. Hold that pause for a little bit longer. He would teach me how to sit up, stand up. Okay, good. He encouraged me to take dance lessons so I could be aware of my body. Would you believe ballet and tap? I did all that. Tap dancing. Why? Just so that I could be aware of my physicality when I'm out on stage in front of an audience. So what really saved me, Lynn, was a simple distinction. I'm going to tell you, I love distinctions. I'm a student of landmark education. You familiar with it? I know landmark quite well. Well, I've studied their work for almost six and a half years. I've done all their programs. And the one thing they impress upon us, distinctions. So what is the distinction of hearing and listening? World of difference. I lost my hearing, but it doesn't mean I can't listen. In fact, I listen better now than I've ever done. Why? Because I really have to give you my undivided attention and engage all of my other superpowers, my sight, so I can read your micro-expressions. My brain and mind is now engaged in what you're trying to give me in this conversation. What are you looking for? What are you listening for? I got it. So I can now give you a very real and authentic conversation. I'm quite vulnerable right now because I can't hear what you're saying but I understand exactly what you're asking me. Do you get that? Exactly, I do. So when people say to me, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, I said, of course you can. Try operating in a world with no sound. There were three magicians who have inspired me, and they were all handicapped. Brother Hammond, great magician, he suffered polio, and he couldn't even walk or handle a deck of cards until he was into his late 20s, because he was in a wheelchair, could hardly move. Richard Turner, he does the most sublime card magic, and he's blind. And my great hero, René Levand. René lost his right hand as a nine-year-old boy. He was already practicing two-handed. Nine years old, and you lose your head in an accident. He had to relearn everything with his left hand. Go on YouTube, you'll see him. René Levand inspired me. I met him when I recorded the Paul Daniels show, and he treated me like a long-lost brother. This is a man from Argentina. So, when I thought of these magicians, I thought, what have I got to complain about? I can still get out of bed in the morning. I can speak and people can hear me. All I need to do is now just make a slight adjustment, significant adjustment, to how I focus and pay attention. So this conversation, I hope there's somebody out there who is suffering a challenge with their hearing or some kind of issue, and they can see the game is not over yet. This has happened for a reason. Now, how can I use it? Right, so that's where I'm at now. Okay. That's incredible. That is really incredible. And when you actually told me that you had lost your hair, and I remember looking at my computer and looking at my, going, huh, this is going to be kind of interesting to have a, a show that is many words and have one effectively because I've never actually had to do it. So it was... How can I communicate with you in the best possible way? And I'm so glad you're on the show. It's just been a privilege to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Well, you know what? I have to thank you for inviting me. You gave me two dates. And my whole philosophy of life right now, simply say yes. Work, work out the details. Say yes to life. The details will follow because inside of me, I have a compass. I call her my inner muse. When things come to me, I look at it and I think, oh, interesting. All right, let's see where I can go with this. And I thought, why wait till the new year when we can have a great conversation right now? Let's plant an acorn now. So when 2018 comes, 
You never know who's going to hear this. Exactly. So we create might well magic with this conversation right now. Okay. I agree. I like magic, especially card magic. I seem to be very addicted to these card magic right now. Now you do the sleight of hand, and before we go back into it, you are going to give us your so loud moment of the week. Your so loud moment of the week. So. Um, Normally, when we talk about the soul love moment, is where you celebrate someone. Collaborate. Celebrate. Celebrate. Someone or something for the soul love mo moment of the week. I'm going to make sure I understand your question. So, the soul love moment. My tinnitus is kicking in slightly. So, Lillian is just typing, so please be patient with us. It sounds like a great question. <laughs> Oh, loud moment of the week. What do yeah. I want to talk about? Yes. Do you know what? I want to celebrate the human spirit right now. Okay. And uh, this year has been a year where I've had to confront a lot of personal issues in my life, being single again, and having to re-navigate my life as a single man, coming to terms with a great loss in my life, reinventing myself, but not losing hope in who I am as a person and what I'm capable of bringing to the world. Now, anybody out there that's listening who is suffering with a challenge, listen to me very carefully. Life is on our side. Whatever happens to us in life happens for us, not against us. It's how you choose to interpret what has happened. As human beings, we are meaning-making machines. X happens and we make a story about it. And we get trapped inside the vicious circle of our story. Put your story to one side and look at what has happened. And ask yourself, wow, this is interesting. What can I be responsible for? This is a shout out loud to our ability to rise above any situation. That is incredible. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. We've had some questions come in. Oh. And they're coming live over the chat system. Okay. So we have a question here. It says, what does the reaction of people do for you? What does the reactions of people do for me? That's a very interesting question because I can answer this in many different ways. As a magician, I strive to achieve the ultimate goal, and that's give people the most extraordinary experience of magic possible. Right. Right. When people meet me as a person, I want them to engage with me with an open hand and a smile, to be open and friendly and not intimidated. I get the fact that people may be, I get the fact that people may be shy, but guess what? I want to create a space where people feel safe in my company. Right. Okay. So that's a very good question. Okay, and then there's a second question, was more of a statement that says that's the real talent, being able to focus on what people are saying while working. And so you're saying about the fact that you're right now because you're hearing loss, you have to work harder to focus on what people are saying while you're creating magic. Right. I just mentioned a while ago that I am a graduate of landmark education. While I was training there, I did two programs that were called the communication curriculum. It was the most magical thing I ever did for myself. Two parts, access to power and the power to create. Two programs on communication. And the one thing I learned was the ability to listen beyond the spoken word. People give you the words, but really in the background there's emotional content and there's also a hidden commitment to what they're really saying. We were trained to listen for the hidden commitment and to recreate conversations so that the person speaking will feel that I truly understand them. It's the closest thing to mind reading. Wow. Oh, it truly is astounding. And I've just applied that as a person with no hearing. In fact, I don't really need to hear the words. I get in people's entire being and energy. You know what, Michael? It's been... Awesome having you on the show. 
It's been incredible having you on the show, so thank you for being here. I need to thank you, and thank you for allowing me to bring this conversation with you to your audience. I hope it does some good, and you know what? We're a team of two right now, but we have an audience of millions, and we just don't know the difference we can make with this conversation. Only time will tell, so thank you, Lillian. You're so welcome. Now, we have one more question. That's okay, let's roll with that. And the question is... Is there an act you're currently building? So, loud moment of the week. Yes, um, I'm actually re redesigning my one-man show. My show's called Elegant Deceptions, The Poetry of Conjuring. At the moment, I perform 20 to 30 minutes of it at different locations around the country. Keep an eye on my website. You can see my calendar, and you'll see what I'm up to. Okay. 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 And what's the link to your website? Well, michaelvincentmagic.com. All right. So and they can follow me on Instagram, michaelvincentmagic. Okay. So he's on Instagram, I believe, Facebook as well. Yes, michaelvincentmagic. And you can find him on his own website. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show, and I am so glad I got to see some of your incredible magic. Now, I'm sorry, guys, if you're not here live to see some of this magic, <laughs> I don't want to say, yeah, sorry, not sorry, because I had it all to myself. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we're going to wrap up the show now, and it's been a total pleasure having Michael on the show. Join us same time next week where we have the PR queen herself, I dare own Kate Noel on the show, and she will be sharing some incredible stuff for us. So it's been real, and let's catch up again next week. What's going on? If That's you're it. enjoying today's show, don't forget to check out our website at www.shineoutloud.tv. And we'd definitely appreciate it if you subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes too. Thank you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.